All right. Praise God. So good. Week three of the GOAT. And uh, thank you all for coming. Hey, let's show some honor and some love for our first time guests. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Um, as well, if it's your second and third time, we love you and we praise God for you. Um, yeah, man, let's get into it. The GOAT um, is the greatest of all time. Uh, there was research done by Time Magazine in 2013 um, recognizing Jesus Christ as the most influential human being to ever, wa ever walk the face of the earth, and that being in 33 years. I mean, I'm 30 years old. And, uh, I couldn't imagine accomplishing what he's accomplished, even post-resurrection, now sitting at the right hand of God in heaven, 2,000 years later, um, making the impact that he's made. So, and it's not fable, it's, it's all true, it's all historically uh, factual and, and documented and all that good stuff. So, we'll talk about a lot of that during Easter. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, facts surrounding Easter, but um, we'll, we'll talk about that on April 1st. Hey, let's continue in the series, week three, and uh, join me in Luke chapter four. Before you pull up the, the, the verse there, uh, production, um, Luke is a Gentile physician. So he is not of Jewish origin. He came to faith in Jesus, and he did a lot of exploits with Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle was a persecutor of the church. He murdered Christians. He put them in prison. And uh, he actually met Jesus, the resurrected Christ, uh, on the road to Damascus, he had some jail orders and some warrants for a lot of Christians' arrest, and Jesus knocked him off of his high horse. Before his name was Paul, his name was actually Saul. Saul means exalted, and Paul means humble. And so uh, it's in Acts chapter 10, Jesus appeared, and he fell off of his horse, and, and, and Jesus blinded him for three days. He had to go on a three-day fast, and he was converted to, to, to Paul, and Paul took the gospel to millions of people across three different continents over the course of about 20 to 25 years. Um, so thank God for Paul, because Paul was called to the Gentile people. We're not talking about Paul today. We're talking about Luke. So um, Luke and Paul, they were road adults. Luke was a physician. Luke actually never met Christ. So Luke's account of, of the life of Jesus is all interview-based. Luke interviewed Mary, the mother of Christ. He interviewed the other disciples. And so he compiled his gospel based upon first account stories from those who actually knew Jesus. And so uh, Luke 4, verse 16, and it says this, when he, he being Jesus, came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath. We, we discussed last week how synagogues are local buildings of worship. The Sabbath was on Saturday. And uh, he stood up to read the scripture, verse 17. And the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. Uh, Isaiah is in your, new, uh, in your Old Testament. Uh, the attendant handed Jesus this scroll. Jesus was a rabbi, um, not necessarily by, uh, by status quo, or he didn't take the normal route to become a rabbi. He was just exceptional. He was actually a carpenter, so um, it was discovered that he was pretty exceptional in understanding the word of God and teaching it. So 
you could go to a local synagogue and say, hey, can I teach today's session? And they say, yeah, go ahead. And so he was that guy. And uh, it says this here, the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. So that word anointed there means he set me aside. Um, he's making the announcement to Jewish people that he is the Messiah. The word Messiah means anointed one or chosen one. The Jewish people thought that the Messiah was going to be a military king. Right now they are under Roman occupation, so they consider it oppression. And so they thought the Messiah was going to come along and set them free from the Roman occupation and oppression, but that wasn't the case. Jesus didn't come to put them on top from a military standpoint. He didn't even come to make their economy um, um, good. He came to save people from their sin. Understanding that wholeness or blessing is truly from within, and then everything works out. And so a lot of Jews back then and even today, they're still looking for the Messiah, and they've deemed Jesus as a false Messiah. He was very countercultural in his day, but he's announcing, I am the Messiah, okay? And so I've uh, been anointed to bring the good news to the poor. What's the good news? I've come to down a cross for your sin. Because it's our sin that keeps us back from everything that God has for us. And so to the poor, that is not economic. That is um, spiritually poor. We're all spiritually poor and broken because of sin. I'm sorry, I'm just kind of teaching through. Is that okay? Cool. It says he was sent to proclaim, uh, he has sent me to proclaim um, that captives will be released, um, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And the Bible says, verse 20, he rolled up the scroll and handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently, and he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. So back then, you would read the scripture, and you wouldn't stand up like us. Like, we got to be extra. We got to have a microphone and lights and smoke. Jesus just read it, and he was the microphone, the lights, and the smoke, and the TV, and he did create Usain Bolt. He did, you know, and, oh, and all, that, all the drama and all that stuff. Like, and he sat down, and he just taught the word of God, and the, eye, the eyes were locked on him because they would have understood that he was announcing himself as the answer to every problem in their lives. So they looked at him intently like, the carpenter? We saw Mary change her diaper. And so we're going to see a, a response here that's conducive to rejection. And it says here in verse, uh, da, 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 he wrote up the scroll, sat down, blah, blah, blah. Verse 22, everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. And it says this here, how can this be, they asked, isn't this Joseph's son? So the pa same people that will praise you. A second later, they will put you down. I'm amazed, but aren't you Joseph's son? And it says here, he, re he responded, Jesus, you will undoubtedly quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself, meaning do miracles here in your hometown like those you did in Capernaum. He's saying that I'm going to move on to other towns and do miracles. He's saying that one day you're going to say to me, do miracles. 
miracles here like you do everywhere else. And they actually did tell him that when they hung him on the cross. Can't you save yourself from this cross if you're God? And it says here, I love his response, but I tell you the truth. No prophet is, is accepted in his home, own hometown. He was speaking of familiarity. Okay, let me, let me put you up on a little something. If God is ever going to uh, raise you up, to a place of leadership and, and prominence, be it in your community, in your business, in your ministry, whatever the Lord's vision is for you, it is very important, hear my heart on this, that you don't allow certain people to become too familiar with you. Je Jesus had, we'll preach this one day, Jesus had circles, then he had bigger circles, then he had bigger circles. He had the thousands, the hundreds, he had 72 disciples, he had 12, and then he had three, and then it was him and God. And so this is the thing. You want to be authentic with everybody, but you want to be vulnerable with a few, okay? Because at the point in which you become familiar to a person, what God has placed on the inside of you to deposit into their lives becomes null and void because they're no longer looking for that from you anymore. You're just so-and-so who plays video games with me. I've seen your mess-ups. I've seen your mishaps. I've seen your mistakes. So there are certain people, even for me personally, I don't allow to get too close. My wife, the Lord, and a few people. And that's how you keep the anointing, the calling fresh in your life. Only allow certain people in so far. But he said this, you won't be accepted in uh, your own hometown. Verse 25 Certainly there were many needy, he's Jesus, widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the heavens were closed for three and a half years and a severe famine devastated the land. Verse 26, yet Elijah wasn't sent to any of them. He was sent to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. Because no one in Israel was going to believe that Elijah could call the rain down after three and a half years because they knew Elijah. Familiarity is a poison. It's a poison, okay? And this here, verse 27, and there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. This was Elijah's protege, but he only healed, uh, he only healed one. His name was Laman, a Syrian, an unbeliever. Verse 28, we're almost done. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. And I went from zero to 100 real quick. Are you the Messiah? Okay, that's good. Hold on. What? Come on, Jesus. Come on. Ah, that went crazy. But anyway, you know, um, wow. Clock going fast today. Many preachers consider preaching clocks demons. So we rebuke them and just, we're going to do our thing. I literally got a few minutes. That was a long reading. But can I take my time this morning? Good. I want to bring a message or a talk to you entitled The Reality of Rejection. The Reality of Rejection. Now, the word rejection means literally to be thrown back. To be thrown back. Opposite of the desired direction that you want to go into. And uh, I don't have time to tell that story. I, I would have, but I got I to gotta work my clock. It's funny how I met my wife because I'm the king of the fear of being rejected. 
And so when I met her, I said something that I don't know why I said it, but I said it, and it worked. Um, it was just totally out of my character. Anyway, it means to be thrown back in the direction opposite of where you want to head. And rejection never happens in the right time, right? It happens in the most inopportune times. Um, you can be in love with somebody or in a marriage or in a relationship. Then all of a sudden, you end up in the friend zone. Like, we can only go this far. Like, and, and you were thinking for, for a while that it was working, that this thing was going somewhere. Or you can be in a marriage, and all of a sudden, your, your spouse just isn't the same person that they used to be. And, and it's rejection. Or so, sometimes, you know, you're applying for a job, right? You, you put in 19 applications for the same position at the same company, and all you continue to get is an email. Sorry blah, 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 please apply again, sorry. Or during an audition, you're going for a role, for a song or a play or whatever, and you get the call or you get the email, sorry, you have not been chosen. Um, it happens at the most inopportune times, even when you're, you're pursuing your dreams. So you've decided to get off the couch, you've decided to get up and do something about your life. And the first try, the first sale, the first whatever, the first connection, it just doesn't go down the way that you desire. You were, you were thrown back. You were, you were thrown back. And then you got the different types of rejection, right? You have the, the not invited or uninformed rejection. You know, how you go onto Instagram or Facebook and you see a few friends at a party or a dinner or something, and you're looking and you're like, man, I'm connected to that person, that person, that's a good friend. Then you go and you check your texts and you check your voicemails and no one has texted you, no one called you, no one informed you. There are different types of rejection. It's, it's as if you were not considered to, 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 to be invited to this particular meeting. Then you have your more passive rejection. This is what I call... Uh, this lack of acknowledgement, where you begin to, to do things right. You begin to change your life. You're making some strides. You're progressing. But the people that you truly care about and want to hear from, for whatever reason, they will not call you. They won't text you and tell you, hey, I see you're making progress. I see you're doing better, and I'm proud of you. That, that's that passive. It's I see you but I won't tell you that I see you or that I love you or that I'm proud of you. It's kind of passive, like they see you, but they, they won't. That passive type of rejection. And then, th this is one of the serious ones, you get the, um, the negligent where love and affection was withheld by a parent, right? Many of us in here have been raised in single parent homes. And we may have met our other parent who wasn't there maybe once, maybe twice, maybe never. But for whatever reason, they were never really proactive at looking for us or pursuing us. They never really showed up to any of our sporting events or recitals or plays or anything. They weren't proactive in showing affection or even wanting to be involved in our lives. They just seemed to have moved on with their lives. Um, a lot worse, you can have both parents who are extremely present. They're bringing home the bacon. They're keeping the house clean. 
I'm getting to the Bible for all you churchy people. I'm getting there, okay? I, I want to help you, though. Can I help you? Can we just talk? You know, I mean, what we just read was pretty real. I didn't see any, like, big-time theological words there. We saw where Jesus was about to get killed because people was hating on him. So can we just talk like life is real, right? All right, and we'll get to Scripture. Scripture is important. Maybe both parents were present, but there was a lack of pursuit of your heart. So it would have been better for them to not even have been there in the first place. Hey, Dad, can we, can we play? No, son, I'm busy. Hey, hey, Dad, I got a, I got a game today. I got to work. Got to work. Hey, Mom, um, can we, you know, go shopping? No, we don't have the money. Leave me alone. Get out of my face. Okay, go do something. They were present but they were absent emotionally. And then you have the very aggressive rejection, where it's like, you suck, <laughs> you will never amount to anything, you won't bounce back from this, you won't make those sales, you won't own that business, you, you won't start this, you won't do that, don't even try it, don't even try it. We have all been victims of rejection, but we've also offered a healthy amount of rejection as well. So I don't want to make this a victim talk, right? We've rejected people as well and things that have sought to come into our lives. You've got different types of rejection. You've got the fact that they come at the most inopportune times, and then you have the effects of it. Now the effects are, are bonkers, right? So when you're active, when you're going, 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 you're at work, you're doing your thing, your sympathetic nervous system is what's engaging your body. And so your heart rates up, you're active, you're moving, everything's flowing, you're good. They say that unexpected social rejection is like a slap in the face out of nowhere. And you know, when you get slapped in the face, you, you get like stunned. Or when something happens that you don't expect that's not in your favor, you get, <gasps> you, you, you breathe. I mean, I saw it in action this week. My, uh, my oldest son, he applied for, for a program, Techsperts, and it was going to start next month, every other Friday. It's a tech program. And Thursday, he brought the letter home. He opened it up, and he said, yeah, Dad, I got the letter, and they told us to wait till you get home to open it. Why? Because your parents are there, <laughs> just in case. It's a rejection letter, right? And so he gets the letter, and he opens it, and, man, I saw that mess because I'm studying for the sermon and I'm like, wow, it reject the effects of it is so, so real, dude. And so when he opened it, I thought he was going to get accepted. He's one of the smartest kids. He's gifted, right? But it's for third and fourth graders. He's in the third grade, so I had to kind of use it as a reason. Anyway, he opens it, and he reads the first two lines, I am sorry to inform you that you have not been accepted. And he didn't read anything else. And, and he just dropped it in. They didn't accept me. And it just... The effects are real. So when your body is at rest, the parasympathetic nervous system kicks in. And what that does is it lowers your heart rate. So they say unexpected, I, I hope you're taking, oh, man, I hope you're taking notes. This, this thing is going to be so anointed in a minute. They say that when unexpected social rejection happens, your heart rate plummets. It's literally heartbreaking. And I saw it on Thursday when he read that thing. <gasps> And it, it, it watered up. 
What it is, though, is we get good at nursing it. Um, the University of Amsterdam, they did some research, and they pulled a few students um, aside, and they, they connected heart monitors to them, and they put them in front of a computer screen, and there were questions about them that strangers had to, no, no, I'm sorry, that, that uh, friends, I'm sorry, that's what it was, friends had to answer about them. The friends were anonymous. They knew that they were friends, but they didn't know who. And so they had them plugged up to heart monitors, and it's funny, the research confirmed that as they were awaiting the responses, their heart rates lowered and lower and lower, not knowing if the responses about them were going to be favorable or unfavorable. And so when it was a, a good opinion about them, it, it took, it was quicker to go back to, to standard heart rate. But when it was a negative opinion about them, it plummeted, it dropped. And it took longer to come back to regular heart rate. So they say when you get ejected, any, any of those forms, like I said, we've done a great job at, at managing the long-term effects. That's short-term. The long-term effects is that you are less apt to take big risk. Because research has also confirmed that we fear more or we weigh more the fear of losing $50 than the joy of gaining $50. So if there's a chance, if we have to choose between the two, we'd rather not lose the $50 we have. And when you are walking with Jesus, he's going to call you to take big leaps and big steps of faith. The way that Satan offshoots that is he works early in your life through rejection. So even when you give your heart to Jesus Christ, even when God starts to call you to do big things that are going to require his power, his presence, his, his, his involvement, even when you step into faith and Jesus starts to call you to do big things, you won't because of the effects of rejection in your life. And you wonder, why won't I obey God in this way? I know this is the right thing to do. I know this is the right step to take. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt... I do this by faith, God is going to bless it. But why won't I? Because you've been so wounded by rejection. And, and, and so you also, you start, they say you start to set very small goals. I'm going to get my degree. I'm going to get in a job. I'm good. Whew, I made it. I made it. I made it. Six, six months later, you hate that job. In the spirit of God, can begin to call you to quit. No, no, no. I got bills to pay. Pursue a purpose. Go change people's lives. Well, I don't know where the money's going to come from. That's because as soon as you step out, you're afraid that it won't work. Throw them back. Throw them back. I'm still on my intro. We're going to get to my points. The effects are real. And what we can learn from Jesus is that not all rejection is bad rejection. It's not all bad. It's not all bad. And we can bounce back because we serve a God who restores, who renews, who renovates, who can do a new thing in your life this morning. We serve that kind of God.
And so what I want to do is I want to take a few points out here, and uh, I want to I want to encourage us through this thing, this the reality. There's a you know there's a reality to rejection, and it's full circle. It's, it doesn't just have to stop. It's it's full circle. So the first point I want to bring is in the form of a question: Is it rejection or my perception? <laughs> I remember. Uh, Back in 2011, I started a Bible study in, in Kyra's mom's house, my mother-in-law. Now, she hated me then. You see how quickly that applied? She loves me to death now. Okay? God is a full circle God when it comes to rejection. She, Kyra will tell you, my mother-in-law hated me. She thought I was Poe, a poor pastor. Why don't he just keep going to med school? You know, it was guaranteed, Right? But she hated me, now she loves me. Anyway, so we started a Bible study. This is a very practical message. So any practical people in the building, we can do deep things, but you want to you actually live out the word of God, and you want it to work for you, okay? So it's either rejection or perception. So we started a Bible study. About six people showed up uh, the first, uh, I think it was like a it was Tuesday. And then about three months in, this sucker grew to like 40 people. We had people in the kitchen, people in the hallway, and all this stuff. And, and one Tuesday night, my mother-in-law comes home. And she has to park six cars down the road. She comes into the house, and she rushes straight into her bedroom. I'm like, oh, snap. We got to have this thing somewhere else. And so we went to a storefront, and there was a storefront church there. They only charged us like $50 a month, so it was, it was cheap, and it worked. That same season, I found the church, because I just moved back from Tallahassee, moved back home. I found the church that I loved and I wanted to become involved in, right? So I set up a meeting with one of the elders. And I come up in the room. Hey, man, how you doing? Good to see you, Josh. Hey, I love this church. I love what God is doing in it. And uh, I feel like I'm called to, 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 to serve here. Um, but I do want to tell you, um, you know, I believe God has a big calling on my life. And I want to be ordained to pastor one day. And, you know, one day uh, I believe God's going to use me to start my own church. And, you know, right now I have a Bible study on Tuesdays, and it's 40 people, and it's only three months old, dude. It's just a Bible study. Not, okay, cool, 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 great, man. That's awesome. Clearly God's hand is on your life. Um, go ahead and go to our volunteer orientation and uh, start, start serving. You got a calling on your life? Great. You know, if God's going to start a church through you one day, you need to start tithing. So start giving of your finances uh, because you're going to have to do that first before anyone in your church ever does it. I wasn't tithing at the time. <laughs> and so um, I'm like, all right, great. And so I'm thinking to myself, like, as I'm leaving, I'm like, did he not hear me? Do he not know who I be? Do, do, do he not know who I am? 40 people, three months, dog. I don't know how they, I don't know how they do the crip walk, sea walk. And I was like, "Do we not hear me?" Anyway, um, so <laughs> Jesus, I got like ten minutes to get through like four points. Anyway, um, and so what happened was I became a volunteer. I started giving because my girlfriend at the time would not allow me to attend a church, come into God's house without giving, because um, I was blessed with a job, and that's what the Bible encourages us to do. We would show up every morning, 6.30 a.m., road cases. We would set up the pipe and drape, and I never knew what wires were and, and TVs and instruments. And 
you know, I, I, so I was primarily in the kids' room setting up the kids' mats. And I would set up the kids' room. So before there was a Krizia, our kids' director, there was a Joshua. And, and, and I would greet, then I would set up the coffee, and, and I, would, I would usher people to their seats, and um, I would pray for people at the end of service, and, and, and God began to change my perception. What I would have otherwise seen as a rejection from the elder, oh boy, it wasn't a throw down or throw back. It was the fact that God was creating a brand new foundation for me because it wasn't rejection, it was trajection. You know, traje trajectory is, is a form of trajectory. Trajectory is a rocket. It's where you're going. It's where you're headed. It's, it's what God is doing through you. It's the process that you have to go through to get to the top, to get to what God has for you. It, it's trajection. So I had to change it from perception to trajection. And if God is ever going to do anything great through your life, he has to first start you low. And so I began to see, wow, I'm going to have my own church one day. This is how a kid's ministry should be ran. This is how early we have to show up to set up and tear down. Jesus. This, oh, man, these are how people are. These people are going through a divorce. These people are happily married. This, these, uh, and God was showing me. So sometimes it's not rejection at all. And what Jesus was able to see was, man, I'm not going to be effective in my hometown. So the perception was, was this, I get an opportunity to go to the neighboring cities and villages and share the good news about who my father is and about who I am. But a lot of us, we get stuck. Because perception is reality. And you have to start to see things differently. What would otherwise be a rejection could be the foundation of a brand new opportunity for growth. That, that, that's, it, is it rejection or is it perception? The second thing we see here in the scripture is that protection is often gift-wrapped in rejection. Catch that, please. Write it down. Protection is often gift-wrapped in rejection. Think about it. What if Jesus had forced himself to be accepted by this group? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. We hate your guts, but come on in. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, you're the Messiah. <laughs> yeah. Whoo, man, he was a nut job. He was crazy. The Messiah, he's going to be a military king. <laughs> Glad we got rid of him. What if he would have forced himself to be accepted into this group? We do that. We, we attempt to force ourselves to be accepted. You know when you go to an amusement park, right? You get to certain rides, and uh, there's a height requirement. You know where I'm going with this if you're, if you're smart. We've got a lot of smart people in here, okay? We just went to Disney a few months ago with our kids, and there was a ride I was attempting to get on with my 9-year-old, but he wasn't tall enough. Why? Because if they let you on the ride, the chances of danger increase in your life. So it's not rejection. It's protection. And this is the thing. A lot of us get caught in attempting to become accepted into a person's life. Not understanding the season that they're in is dysfunctional. God has you going this way, 
they want to stay right here. And it's like, why won't you ever invite me? Why can't I be around? What's going on with you? I mean, my faith is good. God is doing great things in my life. I know where I'm about to go. I know where I'm headed. And so we don't understand that, that typically when people are keeping us at arm's length, it's a sign from God that he's trying to protect us from that dysfunction. I was just talking to somebody about this the other day at Starbucks, and um, they were wondering why their friend uh, doesn't want them around or, you know, something was going on. And I said, look, you haven't accepted a calling from God. And whenever you accept a calling from God, it's outward thinking. You have begin to think about people more than self. I said their issue is that they live in a myopic environment. So they begin to think about them and how they can be blessed only. Let me tell you something. A selfless person and a selfish person have nothing in common. So I told this person what's going on in the context of your relationship is that there are divisions. You're going one way, they're going an opposite way. And either you take them up with you or they bring you down with them. Don't we see that in the text? Had Jesus forced himself to be accepted with this group, his ministry and his life would have been cut short. This is the thing. A season of rejection. Ah, Lord. A season of rejection. A season of forcing yourself into something can cut your calling, your purpose, your clarity, your peace, your joy, your destiny short. And so when you get the rejection letter from the institution, from the company, from the organization, it's all good. Because God is protecting you from a process that would otherwise destroy you and you lose yourself in it. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. You got to believe that. He's protecting you. God is my witness. Kyrie, you don't know this. First time I'm going to tell you, this ain't super personal, but this goes with this. This is the deal. Um, I moved back home from Tallahassee where I, where I did college. I moved back home for about a year, and I was tired of it. I was living with my parents and my grandma, and I'm like, I'm so done. I'm grown. I got to get out of here. And so I said, you know what? I'm studying for my MCAT for a second time. Um, I want to move back to Tallahassee, to my college town. I can find a roommate, whatever. God is my witness, Kyra. My mom and my dad would tell you, and if my grandma would say, she will tell you too. I, I, I applied so much back at the hospital I used to work at in Tallahassee, so much. I had three interviews set up. I went. The first interview was awesome, killed it, great. Second interview was great, awesome, killed it. Third interview was great, wow, I'm definitely going to move back to Tallahassee. One week set in, two weeks set in, three, four weeks set in. All three interviewees, all three, all three interviewers sent me back a letter and the, uh, and the emailed me a letter and said, sorry to inform you, sorry to inform you, sorry to inform you. Would you know it, that it was a week later that I met my wife? I am not lying to you. It was a week later I met Yakaira Karina Torres. Who <laughs> has now all of a sudden become Kyra Redding. I don't. All right, it makes sense. What would have happened? I'm not saying that my life would have been in shambles. I mean, I was straight. But I'm, I'm now in a place 
Well, I'll just tell you, I don't give a what what anyone has to say. I, f- I feel this way. If people ain't talking behind your back, you ain't doing much of nothing anyway. Peace. I only care what a few people got to say. Judah Redding, Jay-Z Peak, Yakira Redding, Joshua Redding, and Jesus. That's it. Because I don't live to please man. I live to please God. And so if God is saying you can't get in, it's because he has a plan that's far greater than mine's for my life. Don't we see that in the text? Third point, you got to be resilient in the face of rejection. Resilient. Pull up verse 3 for me again there, uh, Chris. I mean, verse 30. I'm sorry, in Luke 4, verse 30. I'll work this in eight minutes. Verse 30, you see this here? It says, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. That word there, through, in the Greek, it means to come out from. So he determined that in the face of rejection, I'm going to come out from this. This, this I'm going to be unstoppable either way. I'm going to come out through it. Research, um, I think this was Stony Brook University. They discovered that um, males, specifically males, who had experienced high levels of parental rejection growing up um, are, are more susceptible to, you can pull the verse down, they're more susceptible to sexual, verbal, and the physical abuse of their spouses once they get married. Those that lack that parental affection growing up. And, and what, what happened? They, they, they grew up physically, but they never matured emotionally. They, they, they never matured into a whole person. And, and sometimes it doesn't even have to be physical abuse. It can be the fact that now that they're married or they're dating, they, they're cold in their approach. And there are a lot of signs here. They never matured. Um, they never came out of it. And many of people who have never come out of rejection, they have destroyed marriages. They, they've destroyed their lives. I know people personally, um, brothers, who because of how apparent my, my dad was, um, it was always in the back of their mind that because dad wasn't there in this way, I can now excuse myself from being responsible. I can excuse myself from being the parent that I know I'm supposed to be, but I'm not going to be because my dad wasn't there for me. It, it's, I can excuse myself from showing up to work on time and being excellent and honoring God and, and honoring my bosses. I can excuse myself because of how my, my boss was towards me when I was coming along. They never come out from, right? And so um, it's just, it's a sad reality. But one thing you can learn to do is you can learn to repackage the rejection. You can repackage it. You can repackage it. I love my parents to death, but they never married each other. So when I met Jesus and when I started to grow in the word, when my true father taught me how to be a husband, he can teach our women too how to be women. Even when you have a situation that you don't prefer, there's still a word for your life. 
when he taught me the word of God, I determined in my heart that I would never, ever divorce. I would always be present. I would always go to the games. I would always set aside a time for my kids. I will stay married to one woman because it honors God. And we all have stories and we can all start over, right? But there is a word from God that can help you to repackage your nonsense that you had to go through, okay? So look at the word excuse, though. The word excuse is this. It's using an invalid reason to exit a situation that I'm called to honor. It's using an invalid reason to exit a situation that I'm called to honor. It's not a real reason at all. So what we have to do in our day and age and say is say enough with this rejection mindset. I'm grown. I don't have any excuses. I can make my own choices. I will not be taken down by this rejection. I will come out of it. I will be resilient. I will be better. I will be greater. I will do better. I will grow. I will move forward. You got to be resilient in the face of it. In the face of it. We've gotten a lot of flake as a church for some of the things that we've done. Guess what? We're moving right on through. Because there are too many people in this city hurting. Let me just put a little something on you. There's right now, 10 minutes down the road from you, a group of young ladies who have had babies at the age of 12, 13, and 14 years old. And a lot of us, we, we've, we've been there, right? And what they do is they take them to family services. They drop their babies off during the day. They go to school. They come for mentoring and tutoring, right? And I just had a, a meeting with the financial director and the volunteer coordinator over there. Mary Murphy's going to be here March 25th. And they said that's one of their greatest needs is for these young ladies to see young, beautiful women and anointed and loved of God. You done got saved. You're good to go. They need to see women like you over there with them. And I said, what do some of their uh, mates look like? I mean, who? yeah, I mean, one, one girl came here. And, uh, she was 13, and her boyfriend was just a few months away from being 19. One girl came here. She was 12. And she was dropping something off. She was like, who's that out in the car? Oh, that's, that's my boyfriend. That's my baby's dad. He was 18. He was 17. What? What am I saying? What am I saying? You have to repackage rejection. Because there are so many people out here waiting on you to repackage your rejection. And they need the hope that you found in Jesus. They need the life that you found in Jesus. They need the salvation that you found in the Lord. And they need you to step up and step into your calling. There's no time to waste. People are dying. They're suffering. And it's right here in your city. So as a church, we're not going to be inward thinking. We're going to think outward. We're not just going to come to church and get filled up on the word of God and not do anything with it. We need to press through our past. We need to press through our rejection. There are lives to be changed. There are people to be touched right here in our city, in our city. And my last point here is that 
No, no, I need to read this verse, Hebrews 12. I'm going to come on up for me, um, Sarah, if we're going to close this thing out. Hebrews 12, 2 through 3 says this. It says that we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So he started something, but there's a process of growth. And it says this here, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Now, the crucifixion was the most embarrassing form of public rejection. They would hang you naked, they beat you, and they just hang you. It was embarrassing. But I love what the author of Hebrews says here. It says, for the joy that was awaiting him. There's a joy awaiting you on the other side of rejection. There's a destiny. There's a purpose. There are a group of people. There are connections. There's something awaiting you. He endured the cross. And for Jesus, his joy was our salvation. It was our souls. It was taking away our sin so that we could be one with the Father. And I love it here. Disregarding its shame. Rejection is shameful. But he disregarded it. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. He sure is. I love verse 3. Watch this. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. There is always a reward for rejection. I'm going to read this last verse and we're going to go home. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 6 says this. The Bible says that you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. Look, you're either going to be accepted by people or accepted by God. Can I be both? Okay, I'll reason with you. You're either going to be accepted by people some of the time or accepted by God all of the time. And chosen for great honor. God wants to exalt you. You are the living stones that is that is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. There's a calling on your life that this world is waiting on you to wake up and to fulfill in Christ. Through the mediation of Jesus, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. There's nothing that you do outside of Jesus that pleases God. It has to be in Jesus. And it says this here, as the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem. The cornerstone is the most important stone in the foundation. It upholds the building. So we are a body of believers that are built on faith in Jesus, that, that glorify God for great honor. And anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. There is always a reward for rejection when you find your refuge in Jesus. He can heal it. He can restore it. He can renew your life. Every negative word, pessimistic word, demonic word that has been spoken over you, it has no power when you find your refuge in Jesus Christ. And I love the last part of that verse. And he who put their trust and him shall never be put to shame. You will never be disgraced. What is the promise there? It's that God is always 
going to exalt you. God is always going to bless you. And he's going to show the world that he loves you. And he's going to show the world that he's used you. And he's going to show the world that he's called you. So the power of rejection has no power at all when we find our refuge in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's give a hand clap for the word of God. Hey, let's bow our heads, church. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, this can be your day. God loves you, and he sent his son to die on a cross for you so that you could come into a perfect relationship with the Father. And this isn't about religion. This is about a relationship between you and a person. You and a person who's died for your sins to set you free so that you can walk straight forward into your destiny. So on the count of three, if that be you, go ahead and raise your hand. You want to invite Jesus into your life, into your heart. We love to walk through that with you. On the count of three, don't let Satan talk you out of it. You can be made new today in Jesus. On the count of three, one, two, three. Raise that hand high. Raise those hands high. Raise those hands high. God bless you. God bless you. Praise God. Come on, church. Let's celebrate. Salvation reigns in this place. You can go ahead and put that hand down. Hallelujah. Hey, let's go ahead and pray. If you raise your hand, church, pray with us as well. If you raise your hand, definitely repeat these words. Father God, I love you. I repent of my sin. I give you my sin. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died for my sin. I make Jesus my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Restore me. Make me new. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen.